publish our podcast, episode 42. Well, this is going to be a little bit different of an interview because it's not an interview. <laughs> this is Stacy going solo on the Publish Her podcast. Hopefully you caught the interview with Stacy Aronson and me, Alexa Bigwarf, a few weeks back when she talked about publishing her memoir, writing her memoir, all those great things and great tips for memoirists. In that interview, I mentioned that she's also an excellent editor and has edited several of of my books and my clients' books. Um, And she is honestly one of the best editors that we work with. I love her style. I love the way she communicates with her authors. She's just great at what she does. So we had her on the Women in Publishing Summit in 2021 talking about a topic, demystifying editing. So basically, we weren't able to ever get our schedules to match up. So she did a standalone interview and really walks through what the terms, what the different terms mean in editing, because there's many different types of editing and many things that you should be aware of before trying to hire an editor, um, why you need an editorial partnership, the timeline of when when you should start with one, and what you should expect in terms of how much it's going to cost you. Uh, She spends a lot of time really going through a lot about the editing process, and it's a really, really great presentation for those of you looking to find your first editor. So I will not be in this interview. You get Stacy all to yourself and it's just such wonderful information. So dig right in. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been. Today we're going to be talking about editing demystified. I'm going to share what the terms mean, why you need an editorial partnership, what you can expect to invest, and how to find the right editors for you. Uh, I'm Stacey Aronson, and I do apologize. Normally, Alexa and I would schedule a face-to-face interview, but our schedules just kept clashing, and we couldn't we couldn't make it work. So, um, unfortunately, um, we weren't able to do that. So, I'm just going to give you a brief introduction to me, not take up too much time. But um, this is me when I was about eight years old. (laughs) You got to love the length of my dress in the uh, mid-70s. But this is about the age I was when I started writing my, quote, first novel. Um, I was pretty much born a grammar nerd and lover of language, and I always wanted to be a writer. And so uh, that gives you a little snapshot of how I started out (laughs) in the world. Now, my preteen claim to fame was being the Stanford Junior High Spelling Bee winner all three years, which, um, you know, really doesn't mean much in the big scheme. But at the time, it was pretty darn exciting and, and perhaps even a precursor to what I'm doing today, which I absolutely love. So this is me today. Actually, this is me just a few weeks ago. I just turned 50. This is me on my 50th birthday and in grand celebration. I'm very excited. Um, and that's pretty much how um, how I feel about life and the work that I do. I have so much love and passion for working with authors, and I am so blessed to do work that I love. Um, it took a while from the little girl on the merry-go-round to get to <laughs> the girl underneath, but uh, in 2010, I founded the book Doctor is In, which is basically a one-stop shop for self-publishing authors who want to publish books of excellence from cover to cover. And when I started out, I was pretty much a cover designer and a graphic designer, um, as well as a copy editor. And then I moved into training in layout artistry and developmental editing, and then learned how to create ebooks and websites and became a full publishing partner. And most recently, last year, I also started ghostwriting. So I'm a little unusual in the industry in that I do possess um, a whole host of skills. Um, I'm just, like I said, very blessed to have the passions and the ability to do all of these things. So I can basically take someone as a single partner from raw manuscript to market, which I absolutely love. Um, I've edited, designed, and published over 60 books with my author clients. I'm also a layout artist for She Writes Press. I've been working with them for over five years and designed close to 100 books for them. 
I'm also really proud and honored to say that several of the books I have worked on as an editor and designer have won various awards, including the Indie Excellence Award, um, actually several of those, um, the National Indie Book Award, the Beverly Hills International Book Award, um, Outdoor Writers of North America Award, and probably the ice, the, the cherry on top is uh, the a Benjamin Franklin Best New Voice Nonfiction Award for one of the memoirs I worked on a few years ago. So um, that has been uh, wonderful for me and certainly wonderful for my authors. Um, most recently, the most exciting news is that the first book I ghost wrote, a memoir called Boy Dreamer for a Notable Male Artist, was just picked up by a screenwriter and commissioned for an independent film project. So these things can take years and years and years to, to do, and sometimes they don't pan out, but I am envisioning that it will. It's a huge dream come true for the author and for me. So um, anyway, just wanted to share that with you because I'm still on a high about it. <laughs> So anyway, with that, let's jump into talking about you and what you need and no more about me. So I want to start by just giving you some advice to write by. Um, I want you to picture a tricycle, and I've given you one here, and I want you to think about the two back wheels as the author and the editor. And the front wheel, we can, we can picture that as, as the book, the project that you're working on. Um, but the main thing I want you to have in your mind is that those two back wheels are vital. They both have to be there. So a writer without an editor is like a tricycle missing one of its back wheels. You can drag yourself forward, but you probably won't get very far, and you might even fall or get scraped up trying. Um, the two wheels together create the flow, the balance, the harmony. And so an editorial partnership is not optional. It is a must. Just like a tricycle needs three wheels to move forward, you need an editor to move forward as an author. And we're going to talk all about that today, and hopefully you're going to feel a lot more excited and empowered about what that relationship should be. Now, in keeping with, with that notion, I do want to tell you, because a lot of people do tend to think that when I self-publish, oh, editing is optional. No, it's not. Every single notable or best-selling author has worked with at least one editor extensively. It doesn't matter if it's a celebrity, a doctor, notable names in the self-help field, or, or a new and emerging writer in, in the self-help field, or any number of classic or contemporary novelists. All of these authors have worked with an editorial partnership in order to make their books what they are. So you just need to keep in mind that no book ever goes to press without a lot of editorial work. So if you're self-publishing, this is not an option. This is a must. This is your responsibility to enter into the right kinds of partnerships. And this is what this presentation is about, is helping you be empowered, know who to look for, what to ask, what you should pay, all the stuff that goes along with it. All right, so what does this editorial partnership look like? If you are feeling a bit like this, hands up in the air, <laughs> I don't blame you because in this particular field, we have so many varying terms and terms that cross over and rates that just range like crazy. And it it's difficult even for editors sometimes um, when we're talking to other colleagues, just knowing the nuances of, of what each of us does because our skill sets vary so much. So people have very specific skill sets, um, specific expertise. Some people have wide-ranging expertise. Um, so it, it really can get overwhelming to try to figure out what this partnership or partnerships should look like. And so hopefully by the end of this presentation, you are no longer going to feel like this girl. You're going to feel like a yoo-hoo empowered woman. Okay? So essentially there are three types of editing and they are performed in this order. First we have developmental or what's also called content editing. We have line editing and we have copy editing. Okay, so number one, developmental editing. This term is usually used for nonfiction. Content editing is often used to describe fiction editing. However, <laughs> just to keep with all the confusion, um, they are also used interchangeably. So just keep that in mind that developmental and content are pretty much interchangeable. But for nonfiction, what this editor is looking for, or, or actually doing for you, is developing the book's content 
in all aspects. So that means establishing the overarching goal and the sub-goals of the book, creating the order and the content of the chapters, conveying the book's message appropriately, meeting the benefits and goals that you want to, to convey to the reader with each chapter, determining needed supporting material, whether that's uh, illustrations, graphics, stories, examples, um, and ensuring the reader has strong takeaways. So that's the big picture of developmental editing for nonfiction. If we're looking at developmental or content editing for fiction, we're looking at ensuring a solid story arc, helping with character development and integrity of those characters, creating balance of narrative and dialogue, ensuring a strong plot, so looking at twists, suspense, pace, and all that good stuff, and using more showing than telling. So a content editor for fiction is going to be focused on all of these elements. All right, so that leads us to number two, which is line editing. So this would be the second phase after the developmental phase has been completed. Now this is for nonfiction and fiction. This editor is addressing the creative content, the writing style, and the language use at the sentence and paragraph level. So this focuses on the way you use language to communicate your story to the reader. So this editor is asking, is your language clear, fluid, and pleasurable to read? Does it convey a sense of atmosphere, emotion, and tone? Do the words you've chosen convey a precise meaning, or are you using broad generalizations and cliches? Now, on a more uh, micro level, this person is addressing any or all of the following. Words or sentences that are extraneous or overused, this happens all the time, run-on sentences, Redundancies from repeating the same information in different ways. And believe me, this happens very easily, especially if you write in segments over a long period of time. It's very easy to forget what you've already said in another chapter. Dialogue or paragraphs that can be tightened, and this is a big one. Um, scenes where the action might be confusing, or maybe the author's meaning is unclear. Um, shifts in the tone of voice, the tone of the book, or any unnatural phrasing. Passages that don't read well because the language is very bland, um, maybe confusing narrative digressions um, or transitions that are poor, also changes that can be made to improve the pacing of a passage, or words or phrases that may clarify or enhance your meaning. So as you can see, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that a line editor is looking at. So you've got the developmental editor looking at this big overall structural picture, and then you've got a line editor really honing in on the language, how the language is used and how it conveys whatever you're trying to convey, whether it's a story in a novel or nonfiction elements to the reader. Okay. Now, not to confuse you even more, <laughs> but there are developmental editors who not only develop your book's content, but they also perform line editing in the process. Now, I am one of those editors, um, but a lot of editors don't do that. So this is why we're going to talk about in, in a little bit the importance of the kinds of questions and things you should be looking for with different editors, because in general, these are very specific skill sets. Someone who develops content may have, well, I don't want to say no clue, but may not really be versed in good language usage. And they may have actually no expertise in copy editing, the mechanics of writing, which sounds really strange because when we hear the term editor, we automatically think, oh, this person's a grammar nerd and they know all the rules of English, but not necessarily because there are very distinct types of editors. So... Again, there are developmental editors who also do line editing in the process of that work, but not all. So be sure you know exactly what specific skills an editor will provide for you because it does vary quite a bit. All right, so that takes us to number three, which is copy editing. And this is the one, like I just mentioned, most people think about. Um, this is the one, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, where the editor is addressing flaws on a highly technical level. So this person is ensuring that the writing that appears on the page is in accordance with industry standards. So this is similar to an incredibly high-end proofread. Now, what you need to keep in mind is this type of editing requires 
uh, a command of standard American English usage and also a proficiency in the Chicago Manual of Style, which is the style guide we book editors use. This is a standard that is required for us to go by. If you don't know what the Chicago Manual of Style is, um, it's about a dictionary-sized book. It's pretty substantial. It's got every single rule you can imagine in the English language. While we don't have the whole book memorized by any means, uh, copy editors have a, a very strong command of most things, and what we what we don't know or we're not cl- sure about, because this happens a lot, we can go to our trusty CMS <laughs> tome, and we can look it up and make sure. Now, a lot of um, a lot of times, developmental and line editors don't have this skill set, but once again, sometimes they do. So, not to confuse you, but um, <laughs> but copy editing really is a focus on mechanics and some people really just hone in on those mechanics. They were born grammar nerds like me and it comes very naturally to them and what doesn't come naturally we just dig in and we learn and we love it. Um, so copy editing addresses all of the following. Spelling, grammar, punctuation, and syntax. Syntax being the order of words in a sentence if that's an unfamiliar term. Um, consistency in spelling. So Spelling, for spelling's sake, but also spelling in terms of do you use the word color, C-O-L-O-R, and then later on in the book you use color, C-O-L-O-U-R, the British spelling. Um, So those kinds of consistencies. Uh, Hyphenation, which is huge, numerals versus written out numbers, changes in fonts, and capitalization. Also, ambiguous or factually incorrect statements. This is especially important for nonfiction, but it can apply to fiction as well. And then macro concerns like internal consistency. So we're talking about plot, setting, character traits, not having discrepancies. So for example, if your protagonist is blonde in chapter one and then in chapter six she's smoothing back her her black hair, um, we've got a discrepancy. Or if someone is described as being six foot two and then later they're stooping to, or they're having a hard time reaching something that a normal person would reach, then that doesn't make sense. So sometimes we as writers, we forget how we have characterized, especially in fiction, um, a specific character. And so if we don't have that figured out, we can have these inconsistencies. So a copy editor um, has got that eagle eye looking for those kinds of things. All right. So once again, it's not as common, but there are also developmental or line editors who are skilled copy editors as well. So um, Again, just be certain you know exactly what specific skills the editor you're hiring can provide for you because, as I've said over and over, it does vary quite a bit from editor to editor. Okay, so let's do a quick recap. So developmental or content editing, just in a brief line, deals with structure and overall content. Line editing deals with the nuances of language. And copy editing deals with the technical elements or the mechanical elements of writing. So you can see that these are three distinct skill sets. Once again, some people have multiple skill sets, but a lot of times an editor only performs one. So just keep in mind that there are definite differences in the three different types. Okay, so now that you know the three types, Um, What I want you to remember is that you will need an editor to look at your book from all three perspectives, a developmental standpoint, or you may actually need help developing your book itself if if you're having trouble with that. You need someone who can address the fine points of line editing, the language usage, and one who's an expert in copy editing. Or find one editor who does it all, or maybe one editor who does two, and then the copy editor over here. Um, All of these perspectives are distinct for your book. There really isn't a a way to lump it all together. They need to be looked at from completely different perspectives. And so this is something that I just want to really drive home because some people just kind of see a book as this one entity and... um, and there really are very distinct parts of it that, that need a trained eye on each of them. All right, so at this point, you may be asking, how do I know what I need? Um, so I have a few questions that you can ask yourself, and this will really help you know editorially 
what it is that you need in in the stage of writing you're in. So first of all, where are you in your writing journey? Have you just started writing and you're already like hitting your head up against a wall? Um, Are you halfway through and maybe kind of stuck, maybe wondering where you're going? Um, Have you finished the manuscript? But you're scratching your head going, I don't really know what I have here. Um, so, you know, where where are you? Because that will help the prospective editors you talk to know exactly what you need. Um, where are you having the most trouble? Are you, are you st- stuck at the beginning because you don't really know how to structure your book? Um, are you halfway through but you feel like you've hit a wall and maybe your characters feel flat or... Um, Maybe you um, aren't sure where the book should go from where you are now, or maybe you've kind of written yourself into a corner. Um, So think about where you're having the most trouble. Is this your first book? Because a first book is always the most difficult book to write. And so if it's your first, you may be having more struggles because once you've written one, it does, it does get easier, although writing a book is never easy. Um, There are certain things that you will feel probably more at ease with the more books you write. Um, So if this is your first book, then you may need a whole lot more help. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Ask yourself, how much training have I had as a writer? Have you been taking classes or workshops in your chosen genre? Um, Because the more you study and the more you understand the craft of writing and the more you hone your writing through actual writing daily, if you can, um, the better equipped you're going to be to write your book. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't need an editor, but it means that you're probably going to have maybe a better first draft than somebody who hasn't had any training or hasn't been writing for very long. Um, Ask yourself what your weaknesses are as a writer. Is it about structure? Is it seeing the bigger picture? Is it figuring out your overarching goals? Is it creating appropriate chapter themes? Is it creating characters? Is it that you're terrible at grammar and you have no idea how to use a comma, a semicolon, or what to capitalize and what not? All of those things are legitimate, and we all have our weaknesses as writers. So if you ask yourself what those are and you jot them down, it'll help your prospective editor know where you need the most help and then also what is my goal with this book because maybe you're writing a book just for family maybe you're writing some family heirloom and you want it to be clean and polished but you're not writing something for commercial success maybe you're writing your first novel and you're hopeful that it's great and you're hopeful that you um, can have a new a readership um, one that will grow over time as you write more books maybe you're writing a nonfiction book that you hope is going to be um, maybe a game changer or um, a thought leader in the in the field that you that you work in or write in. So once you know your goal for the book, that will help you a lot as well. All right, so let's just look at a couple examples. Let's say you're writing a novel. If you're writing a novel, you need to be concerned with story arc, character development, sensory elements, dialogue, and plot and pacing. I mean, there are other things too, but those are kind of the main ones. And so if you're having trouble with any of these elements, that's what you want to talk to your prospective editor about. Now, if you're writing a nonfiction book, you're going to be looking at overarching goals, the structure, the chapter themes, what kinds of supporting material you need so that the reader really understands and relates to what you're talking about. They can, they can take what you're giving them and actually use it in their lives. Um, the fluidity and the focus of the book. Uh, the benefits to the reader that are being conveyed, and also your own credibility. That needs to shine through as well. So if you're having trouble with any of those, those are things you want to talk to your prospective editor about. Now, if you're writing a memoir, you're going to have kind of a combination of these things. You may have uh, a story arc, depending on the structure of the memoir you're writing. You will have sensory elements, you'll have dialogue, you'll have some degree of pacing. You'll also have overarching goals. What what is it that you want the reader to take away from your story, Um, as well as as structure and fluidity? So these are all things that you want to think about, again, so that you can discuss them with your prospective editors and find that best match for you. Okay, so now that you know 
what editing kind of looks like and what different editors do, you're probably wondering, well, where do I find perspective editors? Now, sure, you can Google, you know, best book editors or um, developmental editors or, you know, broad terms like that, and you're going to get some hits, and, and you never know. That person may be a great match for you that you find. Um, but what I recommend are some, some solid resources as listed here. Now, this is definitely not an exhaustive list by any means, but these are some of the best ones that I have found that I share with people on a regular basis. So first of all, if you have any friends who have written books and they have worked with editors, ask them. Um, even if they work at a big house like Random House or Simon & Schuster, um, you know, that, that may not that might not be a feasible person for you to work with because they may not work freelance. Um, they probably don't, but it could be someone from a smaller house. It could also be a freelance person. Um, you never know. So referrals from other authors are always great because that person can tell you exactly what it was like working with that editor and word of mouth is always awesome. So um, that's number one. Um, you can also look in the back of books in your genre. So if you're writing a business book, look at business books. If you're writing a novel, look at novels that are your style. Um, look at the acknowledgement section. Most authors do give some credit to their editors, which is really nice when they do um, because we work so closely together and usually for, for quite some time. Um, but you can look and see who's who's been named and Google that person. Where, where does that person work? Are they a freelance person? Is there maybe a chance you could work with them? So that's that's another good one. Um, another excellent resource is the Editorial Freelancers Association. This is kind of a, a gold standard in our industry for freelancers. They have uh, book production professionals all across the board, and you can post uh, a project there. You can search for different providers there. Um, that's a really good one. Um, also, Readsy and BiblioCrunch, those are both online platforms that have vetted providers where, again, you can search for people, you can post your project there. Um, the Writer's Market is always a good resource for lots of reasons, but they do have a paid services link on their website. Um, and by the way, you're getting a free PDF goodie download, downloadable sheet um, that will have um, all these tips and live links to all of these places. So you don't have to worry like, oh, where do I find these? Um, most of them are pretty straightforward, readsy.com, bibliocrunch.com, but um, not all of them are like that. So you will get the links in, in the PDF that you get for attending the presentation. Um, so Writer's Market Paid Services, there are all kinds of providers there all across the board in book production. Um, there's also a great site that's coming soon, and I'm actually going to be part of it, called PubLaunch. And that is also a platform where there are seriously vetted providers um, in, in book publishing. And that is also going to be a site for crowdfunding. So if crowdfunding is something you're interested in, that could be a really good site for you. I don't know exactly when it's coming out, but um, it should be coming out um, hopefully by the summer. Another great resource is She Writes Press. They're an awesome hybrid publisher. I mentioned before that I'm a layout artist for them. Uh, I love She Writes Press. They have a lot of integrity. They publish a lot of amazing women writers. And they have a whole team of editors there as well. Um, and a lot of them do work freelance um, if they're not too busy with She Writes Press, which some of them probably are. But you can always check them out and inquire with them. Also, the Writer's Market does a whole series of books by genre for writers. So for children's books, for, um, for fiction, for nonfiction. Um, if you just go to barnesandnoble.com or Amazon and type in Writer's Market, you'll see a whole series of books. They're updated every year. Those are great resources as well. And also, there's another great book called The 2015 Guide to Self-Publishing. Now, even though it sounds like it's a little bit outdated, um, there are a lot of great resources in there. I don't know when he's going to do a current edition, but, um, but that is also an excellent resource for providers. All right, so now that you have some idea of where to go and start looking for the right editor for you, you're probably wondering, well, what do I look for in this person? Now, I recommend that you always talk to somebody by phone. If you want to do a Zoom face-to-face, -face, I mean, that might be your thing and they, they may, may be open to that as well. But um, 
phone is really important because email is important. You can certainly get a sense of someone through email, but over the phone, you can really tell if someone has a connection with you. If they connect to your book, they're interested in your book um, sincerely. Through email, you don't always get that. So before you head into the phone consult mode, I want you to do some research online. And what I want you to look for is a current website that describes their services. Most excellent editors are going to have this. Um, They should talk about all the different types of editing they provide, and they should be fairly detailed about it so that you understand what it is they can offer you. They should have the genres and the categories they specialize in because this is a very specialized type of work. So we all have our specialties. For example, I work a lot in self-help, business, lifestyle, um, sometimes academic, um, as well as a lot of memoir, whereas um, other people only only do fiction or they only do genre fiction like sci-fi or fantasy, or they only work in the academic or technical realm. So we all have our specialties. You should also be able to see some sort of portfolio, a list of authors they've worked with, books they've edited. Um, We get very, very excited when books we've worked on win awards. So um, it's not unusual for editors to share that their books have won specific awards or or even been bestsellers. So you can check that out as well. Um, They should have some editing samples on their website or maybe a downloadable link to some samples or at least a willingness to provide some. Sometimes they may not be right on the website, and that doesn't mean it's a deal breaker, but you should be able to see some example of the editor's work, not necessarily going out and buying a book that they've edited, although you could certainly do that as well. Um, I'm a big believer in transparency in business, so I really like when people list their rates on their website. I know that I do, um, but not everybody does. For whatever reason, some people don't. Um, I wouldn't say that's a deal breaker because there are some really excellent editors out there who don't list their rates. They prefer to talk to you about their rates in a consult or perhaps even send you their rates once you inquire by email. So, um, But again, I, I just like when people list their rates on their site, um, and so I would look for that. Um, And then last but not least, client testimonials, because one of the best ways you can know if an editor is really worth her salt is to read what other people have experienced working with him or her. Um, So check out client testimonials. We are so thrilled when our clients write nice things about our partnerships. Um, Of course, we want to put them on our website. So usually those aren't too difficult to find, unless, of course, the, the editor doesn't have any. So that would be something to think about. So um, once you have a good list made and you've narrowed it down based on what you have found online, I want you to think about what kind of interview you want to have with this person because this is someone who's going to be working with you rather intimately on a book that is your baby. You may have worked on this book for years. I just published a book with an author who worked on her book for almost 13 years. Now, she had lots of stops and starts, but this was a real heartfelt project. And um, and other people, I mean, it doesn't really matter how long someone's worked on a book. A book is always precious to somebody. But, um, but that relationship is really important. So... A lot of these things you might you may be able to find on the Perspective Editor's website, and I really hope you can. But I also want to make sure that you are asking these questions, um, whether you just need to confirm or maybe you need more details, so that you have a really good understanding of what this person would be providing for you. So obviously first is what type or types of editing do you provide? Developmental, line editing, copy editing, some combination, um, you need to be very clear about what you're going to be receiving and how they perform those particular types of editing. So what what is their process and how do they work with their author clients? What's that relationship going to look like for you? Um, what is the approximate time frame for editing the length and type of your book? Now keep in mind that a lot of editors are booked months in advance. Okay, so if you find someone you want to work with and you're like, oh, let's get started, they may say, I can't start with you for six months or four months. 
be prepared for that. So if you have plenty of time, you're still working on your book, start looking for editors now. Because if you can build a relationship or at least make a strong connection um, long before your book is even done, your first draft or third draft or whatever it ends up being is finished, then you already have that partnership in place and you can be looking forward to it. Um, So there are people who will put you into their schedule at a much higher rate, like a rush fee. You don't want to have to do that. Um, so make sure that you're inquiring with people and you're being respectful of their time frame and finding out how long they propose editing your particular book will take. It's not a perfect science, believe me, but at least to give you some sort of ballpark idea. Um, do make sure you ask how they charge because as I told you, this this is a crazy field with a wide range of costs, but also a wide range of how fees are calculated. So by the hour for editors is the most common, um, but some editors edit by the page. A page in the book world is 250 words. Um, some by the project, although that's less common, and some are actually by the word. So you want to make sure you know exactly how you're being charged and what exactly that rate includes. So if they say, I developmentally edit at $75 an hour, what exactly are they doing for you? You need to know clearly what that includes so that there are no surprises or disappointments. You want to know what style guide they use. Now, this might seem like a little bit of an underhanded question um, because any book editor who's professional uses the Chicago Manual of Style and knows that that is the style guide we're required to use. So if you say, well, what style guide do you use? And the person hymns and haws or says, I don't know what you mean or um, I don't have a style guide, then that's probably a red flag. Okay, when we hear style guide as editors, we know CMS is our go-to. So it is an, an important question to ask. Um, if you're writing a, a, a different type of book, like certain academic books or, or books in the, the realm of psychology, they use a different style guide. So again, knowing the type of style guide is important. Um, ask if they offer a sample edit of your work, whether free or paid. Some people will do a small sample edit for free, maybe a page or two. Um, some people will offer you a paid sample edit. Um, and you can determine how much time you want them to spend, and they do as much as they can. So they would be taking a portion of your work, actually tracking changes, making making changes, writing notes to you, giving you some idea of what that partnership would look like in the back and forth. Um, that is a really excellent way to know if an editor is a good match for you, and I highly recommend you take advantage of that. If an editor won't offer you a free or page sample edit, I would be a little leery of that because any editor should be willing to to do some form of that so that they can see your work and you can see how they would work for you. And then um, last but not least, ask if they can prepare a written proposal with an estimated cost for your project. I recommend that everything you do with regard to your book be in writing, A formal proposal is important. A formal signed contract is also important. You don't want to run into any problems. So if someone says, yeah, I charge, you know, 30 cents a word and yeah, let's get started. um, No, you need a proposal um, because having something in writing before you even consider the partnership is a good idea. And then once you decide to partner someone, you need to have a written contract that you both sign. We can go into much more detail on that, but we don't have the time for that in this presentation. So those are things that I want you to be sure that you ask. And if you've been trying to like write all these things down, um, that's fine, but I will also include these in the PDF. All right, so having told you what to ask, you might be wondering, well, what happens if there are some red flags? And, and what would those red flags look like with a prospective editor. So I've got a little collection here of red flags I just want you to be aware of. I'm also going to include these in the download. So um, you don't have to scramble and try to write all these down. I will give you a a list. Um, Number one, they don't have a website. That is, in this day and age, very odd. Um, They communicate poorly, whether they don't get back to you or they're not very nice to you. 
uh, whatever that might be, red flag, um, they can't tell you the style guide they use. Um, they really should be able to do that. Um, they don't show interest in your book. So if you feel like you're just another money-making project and they really couldn't care less about it, please don't partner with them. You want to partner with someone who has an interest in what you're doing. This is your baby. You want them to be excited about it. Um, maybe they don't mesh well with your personality. Now, some people can overlook certain things like this. Personally, I don't like working with people who don't mess, mesh with my personality um, because this is, again, it's kind of an intimate relationship. You're working together really closely. You're communicating all the time. You may be working together for months. You want to enjoy working with this person. So you, you do want someone who meshes well with your personality or at least somebody that you feel comfortable working with. Um, if they're not willing to have a phone consult, Mm, not necessarily a deal breaker, but for me, it would be. I think that that would be a little odd. No, I refuse to talk to you on the phone about what I do. Mm, doesn't sit well with me. So I would consider that a red flag. They won't disclose their rates. Okay, now if they're not on the website, again, that does happen. Um, but if you have a, a phone consult and they still won't tell you their rates, they won't tell you their rates until they see your work or something like that, um, that's a little odd to me. Why be so secretive? I just, I just don't like when people aren't transparent in business, and I would just recommend that you look for transparent people if you can. Um, they want all the money up front. Okay, total red flag. Nobody should ask you for more than 50% of the estimated project total up front. Okay, do not give somebody $5,000 to edit your book and you don't even see any kind of work for months. Um, make sure that you don't get taken that way. I personally ask for 25% deposit. A lot of editors ask for 50. That is very common. And then usually the balance at the end once all the work is completed. So don't pay anybody up front a, a big chunk. Um, if their website or their emails are full of typos, mm, editorially, this could definitely be a red flag. Now, um, personally, I I would be shied away <laughs> if that were the case. Um, but once again, a, a fabulous developmental or line editor may just really quite frankly, suck at grammar. And <laughs> maybe they don't write particularly well in terms of mechanics, but they're really great at big picture stuff or they're really good at language use. I know that sounds strange. And overall, I would say somebody should have a very good grasp of writing. Their emails should be clean. We forgive a typo here and there in an email, a missed word, whatever. But in general, they should sound uh, like a good writer. Um, Okay, if they don't have a portfolio or they have no list of books that they've edited, I mean, everybody starts somewhere. So this person may be brand new. Maybe they're working at a lesser rate and they're kind of looking to build their portfolio. That's up to you if you want to take that chance. I mean, I'm so grateful for the people who took that chance with me, so I'm certainly not telling you not to do that. Um, but if they don't have any kind of portfolio, then certainly ask what kind of experience they have. Um, maybe they have worked uh, in the field of writing or editing, but they just haven't worked on books before or something. So anyway, just, just be aware of that. Um, if they have no testimonials, um, you know, as I said, when someone works with you and they enjoy working with you, they're usually very happy to write a testimonial. So if they don't have any, that could be a red flag, or it could just be that they haven't worked long enough to have any, but do find out why. And then the last one is just, if you have a bad gut feeling, please trust your gut. Don't partner with anyone who just feels like the wrong match for you. It doesn't matter what it is, whether you think maybe they're not competent, they're not very friendly, they don't have enthusiasm for your project, whatever it is, trust your gut. There are lots and lots of amazing editors out there, and there are plenty for you to talk to. So don't settle for somebody um, just because, you know, they're super cheap or you don't want to do any more legwork or whatever. Trust your gut. All right. Now, on the flip side of the red flag scenarios, I want you to keep in mind that an excellent editor will do a lot of things for you. Um, one is feel a strong connection to your book. And this, as I said before, is super important because you are 
handing over this this labor of love to somebody and you want them to feel connected to it. You want them to have some interest in your subject matter. For example, I worked on a book uh, a few years ago that was for um, dog parents. Now, I'm a kitty parent. I'm not a dog parent, but I'm a, I love and respect animals deeply. And that's what was most important to the author was that I understood the animal-human connection. So I learned a lot about being a dog parent, but I also brought to the table a lot of love and respect and enthusiasm for her subject matter. So that's just one example. Um, He or she is going to know his or her stuff, okay, which means they're going to be competent in whatever it is they do editorially. They're going to help you become a better writer overall. So this is going to be a learning process for you, hopefully a wonderful one. They're going to be aligned with your goals and your wishes for your particular book. It should not feel combative. You shouldn't feel like this person wants something else completely different from what you want. You should be aligned with each other. Um, She should facilitate an appropriate back and forth process. So it's very, you're very involved and it's very collaborative. Um, Hopefully your editor is going to provide that for you. An excellent editor will shape your writing to be its best, okay? That's really the bottom line. You want your writing to be its very best and you want people to love your book and not be stumbling over bad writing and bad structure and typos and things like that. So that person's going to want you to shine. Um, The person's going to be a good communicator and in a way you're comfortable with. If you're cool with texting and emailing and talking on the phone and so is she, great. If there's one mode that you both agree on, great. But it shouldn't feel uncomfortable to communicate. So this person should make you feel very comfortable. Um, She should bill you fairly and in accordance with the work being performed. So once again, you're not paying up front the entire fee um, and you know what work you're getting for what you're paying for. She will be enthusiastic about your subject matter. So similar to feeling a strong connection to your book, um, being enthusiastic about what you're writing and what you want to put out into the world, that goes a long way in an editorial partnership. Also, um, she'll have expertise in your particular genre or nonfiction category and have your audience in mind and know the strategies of engaging them. And lastly, be a partner you enjoy working with. I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to feel good about your editor because it is such an important partnership and probably the longest one you're going to have in the process of your book. The person who does your layout, the person who does your cover, those are fairly short relationships. But the editorial partnership is not. It's much more involved. So you want to be working with someone you enjoy and who who really enjoys working with you too. All right, so how much should I expect to pay for professional editing? I know this is a very loaded and tricky question because once again, the ranges are crazy. And if you're looking at the screen right now, you're going, wow, the ranges are crazy. I had no idea. Maybe you do have an idea. Maybe you've already done some homework or maybe you've already written a book and you've paid an editor a lot or a little and you've, you know, you've gotten work that reflects how much you paid, um, good or bad. So just keep in mind that these are averages that um, were part of a report, um, a very scholarly authoritative report. That's where I took these from. I will give you a link to it um, in the PDF download. Um, But these rates vary a lot because experience varies a lot. Expertise, skill level varies a lot. Availability varies a lot. Um, If someone's been editing books for 20 years and has a lot of bestsellers under their belt, they can charge a a high rate, and they should. Um, If someone is just starting out, they need to build a portfolio. They need to build their skills. So they they should start out a little lower. That's exactly what I did. Um, So to give you an idea, and again, this is not a a hardcore um, list here, but it is a very good way of gauging what people are charging. And you can, as you interview multiple editors, you'll be able to compare across the board. So for developmental editing, the low is $19 an hour, and that is very low. 
as you could see when I talked about what developmental editing entails, you understand that there is a lot of skill going into it, a lot of thoughtful process. And $19 an hour is is nothing <laughs> to do that kind of work. So once you're really good at it, um, you know, the mid is 54, the high is 125 an hour. So I would suggest that you look in that range. I know it's a big range, $71 range, but look in that range. That will help you. A person doesn't have to charge $125 an hour to be an excellent editor. Those are the people who have been doing this a long, long time and they have earned it. Um, and they may even work faster, more efficiently than somebody else. I mean, it just depends. Um, overall, it comes out to about an average of eight cents a word. Again, this is not a hard number, but that is a good average. Um, for example, I charge $80 an hour for developmental editing, but I include copy and line editing in that. So, I do not have three, I do have separate rates, but when I'm developmentally editing for somebody, everything is included in that. So just to give you an idea, and don't pass out, <laughs> but a 70,000 word book is going to be about a $5,600 editing job. Now, again, this depends on so many factors. Is it fiction? Is it poorly written fiction that needs a total overhaul and so it takes twice as much time as somebody else's novel? Is this a nonfiction book with horrible structure? It needs to be completely restructured or this person needs to work hand in hand with you to actually do all the work with you. Um, there are so many factors involved. So this is just an average, okay? Don't see this as the, oh my God, this is how much I have to save up. Maybe you do. Maybe you'll need more and maybe you'll need less. But this is just to give you an idea. Okay, let's uh, pop over to the right-hand side and look at line editing. Now, again, the low, $17 an hour, very low. I, I wouldn't hire someone at $17 an hour if I were you um, for your book. Um, I would look more in the mid to high range, 40 to 75. Um, the average is around three, uh, 0.03 cents a word. Um, I'm sorry, three cents a word. So it just depends, um, again, on a lot of factors, on, on really how well you have used language and how much work your book needs. So if you look at a 70,000 word book, the average is about $2,100 for line editing. Remember, this is separate generally from developmental editing, unless you're working with someone like me who happens to do both at the same time. Now for copy editing, um, we've got a low of 16, a mid of 46, a high of 100, again, a very large range. Um, but just keep in mind that the mid to high is where you should probably be looking. I would, I would recommend that. Um, personally, I charge $60 an hour for copy editing alone. Um, so I, you know, fall in the middle there. An average of 0.018 cents per word comes to $1,260 for a 70,000 word book. So again, just to give you an idea. So if right now you're going, oh my God, <laughs> that's more than I have to invest. That's way more than I expected. My advice to you is to save up, crowdfund, Cut out expenses on things you don't need because there is no more important and substantial investment you'll make as an author than in your book's editing and in your cover as well, though that will cost much less. But that is another very important investment that you're going to make. But your book's editing is crucial. Again, remember, you are the back wheel of a tricycle and your other wheel is your editor, okay? It's not an optional partnership because if you have little or poor editing, on your book, you are absolutely, I mean, almost without doubt going to have a low quality book and potentially diminish your reputation as an author. And I do not want that happening to you. So do me a favor, save up, be dedicated to investing in it. I know it's a lot, but in the end, you will be so, so grateful that you did. I have heard that over and over and over again from clients. And I promise you, you will feel the same if you have a good editor on your team. All right. I just want to touch really quickly on proofreading um, because this question comes up a lot. What is proofreading? Isn't that editing? How, do, how are they different? Um, so just very quickly, proofreading is the crucial final stage. Now, this happens after all the editing and the layout is complete. 
Um, a lot of times people will perform a final proofread with a PDF version of the book. I personally recommend that you always provide your professional proofreader with a printed proof because the book in print always, always, I can't explain why, but it does, always looks different than reading it on a screen. Even though it's formatted the exact same way, it's just a different experience. So proofreading rates, low 20, mid 30, high 40. Um, I personally charge $2 per 250 words, which is average. That usually comes out to about 40 an hour, um, sometimes less, depends on the book I'm proofreading. But, um, but that gives you an idea. So what are proofreaders looking for? Well, they're doing a multiple pass read they're looking for certain aspects in each read. This allows them to be laser focused on specific things because if you're looking for 20 things at one time, it's very easy to miss something. But what they're looking at is all the grammatical elements. They're looking at spelling, punctuation, capitalization, numerals, etc., consistency of your usage like we talked about, accuracy of material you've referenced, um, they're cross-checking your table of contents versus your actual pagination to make sure they're correct. They're looking at your running page headers to make sure they're correct. Subheading hierarchies and varying fonts and sizes in nonfiction books. Spacing and general layout inconsistencies that may occur. They're looking for proper formatting of references, bibliography, index, all those good things. And also the accuracy of any alphabetized or numeric listings. All right, now... Just a really important note here, I have done, as I said, around 60 books. Um, every time, books have needed usually two to three rounds of proofreading. I don't necessarily charge for every round of proofreading myself, but we do need to have at least three printed proofs before we end up uh, approving the file and going to press with it. Um, and this is because anytime there are changes made, especially if they end up being substantial, which you hope you're not doing by the time you get to proofreading mode because the editing should have taken care of all this substantial stuff, um, anything that's substantial is going to shift formatting. There could be a mistake, God forbid, made in those changes. So you need to be able to see the book again. And this goes too for if changes are made on the cover or tweaks to coloration or spacing or anything on the cover. You need to be able to see it again in print. The other thing is having at least a few people's eyes on your book before it launches helps to ensure that all the mistakes are caught and corrected because after all, <laughs> proofreaders and editors, we are human too and sometimes we miss stuff as, as much as we try not to. So having other eyes is always a really good idea. All right, so once you've completed all the editing phases, you can be jumping in the air with your balloons like this girl. You should have a beautifully structured, engagingly written, polished book to share with the world and how exciting is that? Um, you should be really proud of your investment because this investment has given you some really wonderful things. Your book now rocks developmentally. Your book is consistent and engaging in tone and language. Your book is clean, accurate, and impressive in all the mechanics. And your book has been polished to its worthy shine. And isn't that the book you want to present to the world? Of course you do! So to sum up really quickly, if you're a nonfiction writer who wants to build a marketable, high-value book for your specific audience that will help inspire or teach others, boost your credibility in your field, enhance or grow your business or audience, increase respect with your colleagues, fill a gap in your niche market, be a valuable addition to the marketplace, enable you to have a top quality book to sell at events or speaking engagements, and have best-selling, award-winning, media-grabbing potential, or you're a fiction writer or memoirist who wants to craft an engaging, memorable, or even influential book that will grab your audience, possibly move them to tears, or make them laugh, or encourage them to be reflective, relate to your experience, take them possibly to another time and place, embrace you or your characters, um, that will, it should say, that will enable your audience to embrace you or your characters, um, have best-selling, award-winning, media-grabbing potential, then the really good news is that the excellence of your labor of love is in your hands. 
okay? I really hope you now feel educated and empowered to forge an exceptional and gratifying partnership with your editor or editors because frankly, you and your book totally deserve it. Now, if you want to reach out to me, you have questions, you're, you're still feeling a little overwhelmed or anything isn't clear and you want to ask me about it, you are more than welcome to go to my website at thebookdoctorisin.com. You can email me directly at stacy at thebookdoctorisin.com. Um, I have a very extensive website you can check out. There's a lot of stuff that you can learn there, um, but I also have a questionnaire if you're interested in potentially working with me. Um, you can fill that out and send it over. No obligation, of course. Um, it's just an inquiry. Um, but I would love to be able to help take you from raw manuscript to market if I'm the right match for you. But overall, I just hope that you walk away from this presentation feeling really good about the knowledge you now have and not feeling hopefully quite so confused and overwhelmed by everything and feeling armed with the right questions and the right information you need to find a really awesome editorial partner. And thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.